Too much steam over this morning, Howard. <laughs> was that a better whistle this time? <laughs> a little bit, yes. <laughs> I, just, I don't know what it was. Didn't have it. Didn't, didn't have it in me there for a minute. Uh, hour number three underway here on the Watchdog Morning Show. We always provide sunshine inside. That's our idea of that theme song. Um, we bring you in around a uh, uh, little little sunshine in here in the studio. Although today it's going to be sunny outside as well. Daytime high up to around 60 today. Right now 45, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport, 45 at the Highlands, 45 in Elm Grove, and 45 here at the Robinson Auto Group Studios downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. Stephen Adams has written a piece in the Intel, which you would have read yesterday, uh, about... Um, Quote, school choice, I think that's a very bad nomer, but uh, school choice, charter schools, hope scholarships, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about that with Stephen coming up in a few minutes. But first of all, here at 9-11, the subject we have been spending a huge amount of our time talking about this week, not this week, last couple of days, has been the attack, the brutal attack by Hamas on Israel and Israel's response. And I ask the... Uh, Rabbi of Temple Shalom, uh, Rabbi J uh, Joshua Leaf, to join us to offer some thoughts. Rabbi, thank you for joining me this morning. I really appreciate it. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So I guess, first of all, just response. I mean, when you heard the, the news, uh, what was it, Sunday, I guess, about the horrific, I mean, just a horrific attack by Hamas on, on Israel, what was your immediate thought? What's your response? Well, uh, considering the, the circumstances, I was quite concerned. There's a lot of folks uh, with whom I'm friends mm -hmm. uh, and uh, extended family members of our congregants in that area, in, in the envelope, as it were, around the Gaza Strip. I was just at uh, uh, Nachal Oz and Kfar Aza a couple of months ago. I was at two of the kibbutzim that were raided. People who I know are deceased, others are missing. So our first concern was for the well-being of the individuals. And uh, a, a profound sense of, of sadness uh, at more violence and uh, intentional murdering of Israeli civilians because they are Jewish. Um, and the, the lie that there is some sort of moral equivalency between Hamas, who are terrorists, and Israel that's trying to defend itself is really put to bed at this one because this is not an attack against military institutions. This was breaking into people's homes early Saturday morning, which is our Sabbath, of course, was also a holiday, Simchat Torah, and beheading people and murdering elderly and children and kidnapping people and forcing women to walk naked through the streets and putting toddlers into cages and throwing garbage at them and torturing them in public. This is horrific beyond belief. And it has to beg the question of either you're supportive of people who are evil or you're outraged by them. This isn't about the Palestinian people. They are suffering terribly. Uh, the residents of Gaza live a very difficult, terrible existence in significant part because of Hamas. Hamas terrorizes their own fellow Palestinians. They murder anyone who disagrees with them. They force people to be human shields so that when Israel retaliates, 
lots of civilians die because Hamas forces them to stay in the buildings that they know are going to be blown up. It's, it's horrific. And it's our hope, certainly, that uh, there are more good people in the world than evil ones by a large margin. It's our hope that uh, our friends and neighbors will join us tonight at Temple Shalom at 7 p.m. as we stand up in support of Israel and we support each other. An attack on people because of their faith, and let's be clear, they were murdered because they are Jews. Hamas officially in its charter calls for the death of Jews and the destruction of the state of Israel. An attack on any people of faith anywhere is an attack on all people of faith everywhere. All of us are under attack at the moment, and we should stand together and support each other in the cause of goodness and justice and righteousness, but also in a hope for the eventual defeat of terrorism and peace for all the citizens of the Holy Land. Jews and Christians and Muslims, Arabs and Israelis, everyone should get to live in peace, and that will not happen until Hamas is defeated. And the, the line you just used, which I heard you use yesterday, um, an attack on any one religion is an attack on all of us. You know, it's, it's not as if this is, quote, just the Jews. I mean, this is a... This is an attack on all of us. Uh, if, if, if one religion can be attacked for who they are, all of us can be attacked for who we are. Well, there's, there's no question that Hamas is a, is a theocratic institution, but they are not even in adherence with the principles of Islam. They desecrate people's bodies. They murder the innocents. They are not a good example of what it is to be a Muslim. <laughs> they, they are horrible. They are evil. And so it's, it's unfair to paint them as, as a representative of one of the wonderful world religions. That said, they are horrific, not just to Jews, but to Christian Arabs. They persecute them. Uh, there's no Christianity allowed in the Gaza Strip. The people get uh, murdered. They've all left who can. Uh, it, it's a, a terrible situation for everyone, for the Palestinians suffering in Gaza, for the Israelis bereaved of these horrific attacks, for all of us as a world community who claim to disavow violence and terror, and yet this is horrible and has to be answered. You said earlier that uh, your first response was sad. Uh, were you angry? Well, of course, one's always angry when people choose to be violent and evil. That's a natural response, but I don't think anger gets us very far. I think that the response to terrorism, which is meant to make us scared and afraid and reactionary, uh, the response to terrorism is to stand unified and to not allow ourselves to be terrorized, to say we, we refuse to give in to a cycle of violence. We refuse to give in to our baser instincts. We stand for peace that can only come with justice, which means that terrorists are going to have to be defeated. I think that there's going to be a lot more death and destruction in the days and weeks ahead as Israel responds. And Hamas has always used human shields. They forced their fellow Palestinians there in Gaza to get murdered. Uh, by Israeli weaponry. Uh, the Israelis have uh, technology. They let people know a rocket was launched from this building. We're going to now destroy that building. And it's always an apartment or a school or a hospital. They put the rockets into civilian buildings and fire them at Israel. 
and then Israel blows up the building, and Hamas says, you will stay in your apartment or we'll shoot you in the street. And so they force innocent civilians to die when the building collapses. One of the, one of the things that um, bothers me immensely about what happened uh, with, with this Hamas attack is, it, it, as I've said several times on the show this morning, this was not a bunch of guys who got together on Tuesday night and said, let's, you know, take out our anger. This seems to be an exceedingly well-planned, well-orchestrated, well-timed attack. This was, yes. this was calculated. Yes, uh, they are evil. They're not stupid. They, they're very <laughs> competent at doing what they do. They've been terrorizing Israel. Uh, those who live in southern Israel, in the, in the communities they wrote, and Ashkelon and Ashdod and the Kibbutzim that are right there in the envelope, they are on perpetual alert for rockets to be falling on them at any point. It's daily, the threat. Uh, and it has been for years, ever since Israel unilaterally pulled out of the Gaza Strip and gave it to the Palestinians to govern themselves, uh, Hamas has used it as a base to launch terror attacks against Israel. And so uh, that's not a surprise that there was an attempt to make an attack. But this was their most successful attack ever. Uh, it is believed that they have Iranian Revolutionary Guard officers uh, helping and advising them and guiding them. They certainly have Iranian technology. Their missiles and rockets are getting further and further into Israel. There were rockets landing in Jerusalem uh, earlier this week. That's the furthest they've ever gotten. Um, and so they, they are very organized, and this was extremely well planned, and it definitely caught Israel by surprise. I, I gather that you, and I, I do too, but I, I gather you feel Israel's strong response was absolutely appropriate. Well, Howard, I don't think you've seen, I don't think any of us have seen yet the fullness of the response. I think I, Israel is going to invade the Gaza Strip and go building to building looking for Hamas leaders and officers and either attempting to uh, to arrest them, but more than likely they'll die in, in shootouts in the streets. And I think there'll be thousands of civilian casualties. I think this is going to be a terrible humanitarian disaster, and it is, unfortunately, again, the fault of the terrorists in Hamas, not the Palestinian people, not the Israeli society. It's terrorists who rule that small piece of land as evil, corrupt dictators oppressing their own people and trying to terrorize Israel. And until they're stopped, it's going to be very hard for anyone to have peace. I think the average Palestinian, the average Israeli, wish they could live peacefully side by side. That is being thwarted by Hamas's continued use of terror and the murdering of civilians. That can't be tolerated as legitimate political statements. That's evil. And has to be stopped. I think, and I hadn't put this in perspective, although I, I knew it, but when you say it out loud, it, it is important to remember that Hamas is not an equivalent to the the Palestinian people, that Hamas is, is a terrorist group, uh, but the Palestinian people are not, should not all be rolled into that group as oh, we... Oh, certainly not. As, I think the, the sad truth is that Fatah, the other major political party of the Palestinians, was born out of the PLO, also a terrorist organization yeah. uh, that that claims to be more moderate, but only in contrast to Hamas, who are who are even more radical than the PLO was. But the last time there was a free and fair election, which admittedly was in the Bush administration, 
Hamas won the election, mostly because the Fatah guys were seen as so corrupt that the average citizenry of the Palestinians voted for Hamas. Mm -hmm. And then Hamas dragged Fatah supporters out into the streets and shot them in the head. After winning the election, they celebrated by murdering their political opponents, their fellow Palestinians. So these are evil people. And it, it, it must be made clear that, that though they are in power, and they certainly are the governing apparatus of the Gaza Strip, they don't govern benevolently to make their people have a good life. All the foreign aid that goes to Gaza for the poor, suffering folks, and they are suffering. They're living in squalor, and it's, it's terrible conditions, no question. But all the foreign aid that goes is, is diverted for military purposes for Hamas. Uh, the concrete that should be used to build schools and new apartment buildings and parks and recreation and such is used to build bunkers underground beneath apartment buildings so that Israel will have to blow up an apartment building full of people to get to the fighters who are hiding in underground bunkers directly below. There's tunnels all throughout Gaza and bunkers, and this is going to be a very messy Next couple of weeks, you're going to see horrible pictures on the news of lots of destruction and death. I'm very worried and concerned for the residents of the region, both Israelis and Palestinians alike. I certainly hope and pray fervently with all my heart for peace for everyone, but that's not going to be possible until the terrorists are stopped. You have, as you mentioned earlier, an interfaith service tonight at the temple. Uh, yes. 7 o'clock, am I right about that? Correct. 7 p.m. here at Temple Shalom, 23 Bethany Pike in Woodsdale. Uh, and we hope that folks will join us as we stand together in support of Israel, standing up against hatred, violence, and terrorism in favor of justice and hopefully, eventually, peace. You know, sometimes we all ask ourselves when something like this is happening, especially across the world, what can we do? Oh, geez, what can we do? Um, at least standing in solidarity uh, in, a, in an event like this is, is, a, is a way we show our support. Uh, you know, we may not be taking up arms and running across the ocean, but at least it's a way to show our support in a service like this. I think so. I think it's, it's important to support our friends and neighbors in good times and bad. Uh, additionally, there are humanitarian efforts already underway. Uh, here at Temple Shalom, we are the home of the Jewish Federation of the Upper Ohio Valley, but the Jewish Federations of North America is a wonderful charitable organization, and there is a coordinated campaign ongoing uh, for Jews across North America to, to donate funds that will be used both supporting the short-term and long-term needs of the victims of terror, rebuilding infrastructure, and uh, helping to ease the trauma of the, the war that is ongoing. Um, and there's a, a link by which you can make a, an online donation, or you can simply send a check uh, here to Temple Shalom made out to the Jewish Federation of the Upper Ohio Valley. We'll pull those funds and send them in. Uh, Rabbi, I noticed that yesterday you, you used your morning um, class or whatever you, whatever you normally do in the morning uh, online to, to address this issue. Will you talk more about that in some of your Facebook messages? Uh, yes. I mean, uh, we, we have our Torah Tip of the Day broadcast each morning at 11 a.m. on our Facebook page, and the the message seemed relevant. We always look to find lessons for our modern-day lives from our sacred, sacred scriptures and to keep the ancient still relevant in the present, and it is. 
I am at least a, 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 of the opinion that our sacred scriptures still speak to us today. <laughs> and the things that are going on in our lives, uh, we can often find guidance from our tradition. So I, I made that link yesterday. We will again this morning. Uh, and we hope that uh, that folks will join us tonight. I appreciate that. I will try. I hope to be there myself. I think it's a very important thing to do. And Rabbi, uh, if you don't mind, we may touch base with you as this uh, as this story develops to get more of your thoughts as times go by. But I'll be honored to help in any way I can. But I appreciate you joining me this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. All right, thanks, Rabbi. Rabbi Joshua Lee from Temple Shalom. Bob, can you bring me up uh, Stephen Adams for a second? Can we? I'm pl- I'm doing this on the fly. Stephen. Stephen. Good morning. Good morning. Got things a little bit uh, screwed up here. Do you have time for me to take a break and come back to you, or am I taking into your uh, like real work now? Nope, we're in good shape. All right, let me take a break, and we'll come back. I want to talk about Hope Scholarships, charter schools, uh, private schools, public schools, public school funding. Oh, and yeah, uh, helicopters. Uh, we'll get to all of that coming up with Stephen Adams in just a minute here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Metro News Hotline with Dave Weekly. Ryan, circuses without animals, in or out? If I wanted to see gymnastics, I would go to Cirque du Soleil. If I want to see a clown, I go to a circus. So it's, as long as they have clowns. What do you think I'll Cirque du Soleil stands for? I don't know. Like it's probably French for uh, circus. It's probably <laughs> French for like chicken breast sandwich. Metro News Hotline with Dave Weekly, weekday afternoons from three to six on this Metro News station. Weekends are made for sports. And Saturday mornings are all sports here on the Watchdog, West Virginia football scoreboard, Ohio Sports Magazine, the good old boys on sports with Bear and Bob at eight with your calls and complete coverage of the NFL, college and local high school action on the Paul Harris Law Office Sports Huddle from nine to noon. Saturday morning sports. From the Ohio Valley's leader in live and local sports coverage, The Watchdog. The Watchdog. Spend your summer mornings with us. News, information, conversation, controversy, and fun. The Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. Thank Reverend uh, Rabbi uh, Joshua Lee for getting in the show this morning. I tried to reach him all day yesterday and he hadn't got back to me, and so I, I appreciate that he, uh, he he buzzed in uh, this morning to offer us his thoughts on this uh, horrific situation over in Israel with the Hamas. And uh, there's a Temple Shalom interfaith service tonight, seven o'clock at Temple Shalom, right there on Bethany Pike as you head up towards Ogilvy. Uh, if you would like to show solidarity with Israel in this uh, great opportunity to do that, seven o'clock tonight at uh, Temple Shalom. 45 at the airport, 45, well, 45 everywhere. The airport, Highlands, uh, Elm Grove, and here at the Robinson Honor Group Studios, downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. Stephen Adams has been very patient as we've had to readjust things here a little bit. But Stephen, now let me say officially good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Howard. Thanks for having me on. So I want to talk about school choice and hope scholarships and a really, a really good column you wrote the, this week. It was in the Intel, I think, yesterday. But first, I want to talk about helicopters. Uh, 
the uh, choppers. Do you, do you have the Do you have the Airwolf theme that you can play in the background as we talk about this? <laughs> we can we can work on that. Um, but uh, Governor Justice has not actually addressed this at a at one of your briefings, has he? The fact that his uh, U.S. Marshals have been told to seize his helicopter uh, down in um, uh, in Virginia. He's offered a comment, but I think it was just a written comment or something. He hasn't actually spoken mm-hmm. to you guys about it, or has he? No, he has not. When this first broke, when mm-hmm. these uh, court filings first came down the pike, it was going to be – it was last Thursday, so it was after last week's administration briefing. So it was probably the next opportunity he'll get to ask, be asked about it directly will probably be this week. He has said – I mean, it's, Stephen, it's, I've said it several times this week. It's almost embarrassing to me to hear him to say this stuff, to have his public, his private finances splayed so completely in public. His response to being told that uh, they were going to come and seize his airplane for the Mechtel company of Russia is that I owe so much more money that other companies ought to get it first. I mean, that's kind of a sad, that's a kind of a sad way to deal with it, isn't it? Embarrassing, humiliating almost. The governor has frequently said over the last several years uh, when the news comes up of various debts and money owed to vendors and this and that, that he could have declared bankruptcy and left people hanging, and he didn't declare bankruptcy. And he says this as if he's bragging about it. And my constant thought in my head, especially as this stuff keeps accelerating, is I don't know why you don't just declare bankruptcy, because if everyone leaves vendors, everyone leaves bills, federal penalties – all this sort of stuff. If they were to like, if they were to come after him at once today, he does not have the money. He does not have the assets. I know that at one point they valued their assets according to their Senate Finance uh, 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 financial report uh, north of one billion. But I, I think that's somewhat questionable. I mean, they don't have the money to do it, and I just don't understand why they keep playing this game. I, I, if, Declare bankruptcy. It's, there's no shame in it anymore, or at least uh, I don't think there's much of a stigma about it anymore. So that would be the smart thing for them to do because they are in real financial straits. You know, the options, uh, Brad Macklin and I talked this earlier this week, he could file bankruptcy, which makes a great deal of sense, except that's his, that's his um, response to this is, now I could have filed bankruptcy, but look, I'm, I'm keeping these companies alive. Uh, or he could sell the assets. Uh, of course, the thing I would think is he's going to get, let's assume, and I don't, but let's assume he's, they're worth a billion dollars. He's not going to get a billion at this stage of the game. He's going to get pennies on the dollar or dollars on the multi-dollars or something. So selling the assets is going to bring in much less than probably they're actually worth, I would think. Um, I guess I'm. I guess what I'm getting to is, is just he's just in, he's in trouble financially. He really is, and it's going to be, I think, interesting to see. You know, the U.S. Senate uh, campaign finance reports are coming due here pretty soon. I can't remember what the deadline is to follow us off the top of my head, but that will cover everything for the last three months through the end of September. It's going to be real interesting to see what they have to say uh, about all that, considering he can't really self-fund. He's got to fundraise, and obviously there are groups that are trying to raise money on his behalf uh, on the federal level. But he can't self-fund that raise compared to Mooney, who just announced his campaign finance 
Hall in a press release this morning, which uh, they have $1.2 million in cash on hand, but they only raised about uh, $480,000 some uh, for the quarter. So uh, as somebody said on Twitter, it's a nice campaign hall if you're running for re-election of the House, but that might be problematic for U.S. Senate. Yeah, so we'll that's, see. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, I, I say this on a, a human level. I, I have some sympathy for the governor to sit. You know, if I had financial I've had financial problems in my life. Right. Uh, and I it would have been embarrassing to have to come to the radio every morning and say, hey, you know, I'm filing for bankruptcy or, hey, I can't pay my bills. Uh, it's just got especially for someone like Jim, Jim Justice, who built his reputation on being a businessman, successful businessman, billionaire. To now have to just openly admit, and he basically did to you guys a couple of weeks ago, um, things are tough. I mean, it's it's got to be on a human level embarrassing or humiliating or I don't know what word to use. But and I, I, I somewhat feel sorry for him because of that. Yeah, I do too. It's different. You know, you some people can make some comparisons to what he's gone through to what uh, former President Donald Trump's going through with the the case in New York that is looking at his real estate valuations and things of that nature. But I will say there is a significant difference between Trump and Justice, where as Trump obviously is braggadocious and you know he's lying if his mouth is open and things of that nature, and Don, and Jim Justice tends to come at it more from the folksy, all shucks, you know, more more humble aspect aspect of it to some extent. Uh, so it's interesting to see how those things play out. They're very similar in some in some respects. They are. Very interesting. When you read the uh, the, um, uh, the the U.S. Marshals order uh, for the court order to the U.S. Marshals to uh, put, repossess the helicopter down in Virginia, uh, and the phrase in there was take by force if necessary, did that jump out at you? It sure did to me. It definitely did to me, and it must have to Justice's people, too, because as I've noted in my stories, they then flew that helicopter from, from where it was housed in Roanoke, Virginia, uh, to North Carolina, uh, which is interesting because at least if you read that writ, uh, it only gives the marshals authority to seize that helicopter within the western U.S. Federal District of uh, Virginia, that's true. Uh, Southern uh, Western District of Virginia. Mm-hmm. So, if they want to get that helicopter, they're going to have to file probably another uh, writ or something in that particular federal court district in North Carolina to get the helicopter. And of course, as you pointed out, they've also now trying to seek a stay of that writ because, as you have said, uh, they claim that they uh, that helicopter is collateral for other loans to other lenders. So uh, there's a tug of war right now over the helicopter. Again, how embarrassing is it? Your, your, your argument against your helicopter being repossessed is we owe so much money, other people really ought to repossess it first. I mean, that's I don't mean to laugh, but it's, it's just what a sad argument that is, you know. Well, not that you shouldn't repossess it. It's just that, honestly, other people should repossess it first. It's kind of pathetic. All right, Stephen, I, I really didn't want to talk about that. I want to talk about this school choice thing. But, again, I'm going to give you an option. I have to do a quick break. Do you want to stick with me? If you don't, we'll do this some other time. But we, I'd love I'll, to talk. I'll stick with you. Good, because I want to talk about this school choice thing. 936, 24 to the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Could we do news, uh, my friend? Let's do news, Howard. News time. Good Tuesday morning, everyone. I'm Taylor Long with your 7 News headlines on this October the 10th. The cause of an early morning house fire in Belmont County is under investigation. Officials say the fire broke out at 7.30 yesterday morning at a house on 32nd Street in Bel Air. Investigators believe the blaze started on the second floor of the single-family home. Officials say all four family members in the house got out safely. 
And October is National Fire Prevention Month. This week, the Wheeling Fire Department is hosting their Fire Prevention Week. The theme is Cooking Safety Starts With You. According to the NFPA, cooking is the leading cause of home fires, with nearly half involving cooking equipment. Unattended cooking is a leading cause of home cooking fires and related deaths. The fire department suggests never leaving non-cooking related items on the stovetop, even if it's turned off, and keeping a lid handy in case a grease fire should occur. The Wheeling Fire Department lieutenant says that it's the older generation's job to teach their kids about fire safety. And the fire department reminds everyone to change their batteries and their smoke alarms twice a year and most notably on the fall back and spring forward clock changes. In addition, the department will have informational tables set up from 1 to 3 at Elm Grove Respects today, October 10th, and the Warwood Kroger on Wednesday, October 11th. And low demand and a $10 drop in the prices of oil is helping drive down the gas prices. The Mountain State's average price of gas right now is $3.52. That's down $0.06 cents in the last week. And then Buckeye State's price is coming down faster now at $3.27. That's $0.13 cents less than a week ago. The national average is $3.70. For all the latest in local news, weather, and sports, you can always head on over to WTRF.com for a further look. That was a look at your headlines. Have a terrific Tuesday. I'm Taylor Long, working for you. He has his say. You can have yours. Text us or call us and join the conversation. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe, brought to you by WVU Medicine. Nine thirty nine twenty one to the hour. Watchdog morning show. Forty five degrees, pretty much across the board. Looking for a high of seventy and sunny over the day today. Stephen Adams with us in the Ogden newspaper chain. Uh, Stephen wrote a, a, a really interesting piece uh, that was in his column in the newspaper. I think it was in Intel yesterday, if I remember correctly. Uh, charting a new course in West Virginia. We have been talking now for a number of years about, and I put the air quotes out here, school choice. Uh, which has taken multiple forms from the legislature. It's taken the form of, a, of, a, of approving charter schools, of approving the Hope Scholarship, where private uh, public money can go to use for, public edu for private education and so on. Um, a lot of argument coming from the teachers' union that it's uh, taking money away from the public schools. And I think that uh, Stephen put a lot of this together for us in this, in this piece. And Stephen, let's just, before we talk about the implications, let's just talk about where we are. I lose track of time, but four or five years ago, the legislature decided that the, they were going to take school choice as their way to deal with the public education problems in this country, or in this state, right? Yeah, that's right. And I kind of want to preface, too, that I'm, you know, I think you can have a charter school system and even to some extent a, a voucher system like the Hope Scholarship. Of course, it started off as what's called an educational savings account, but it's not really what it is. It's really more of a voucher system giving parents a portion of the state school aid formula that's set aside per pupil. Um, I think that's around 4,300 uh, right now. So it's one of those things where you can have a system like this in the legislature uh, decided that they wanted to give this a try. We do have a public charter school pilot program. Uh, it's pretty small. Uh, they Right now we're in a situation where they can create 10 new charter schools every three years, but we only really have a 
about uh, four or five. That's including two statewide charters, uh, statewide virtual charters, where there's not even a physical building. You can uh, take your classes online. So we do have a system in place. And now we also have the Hope Scholarship, as I just talked about, which right now is only open to public school students. But by 2026, that's going to be open to any West Virginia resident with a student, whether they're in public school or not. So you really are dealing with a situation where uh, – Schools are going to be hit, and the state's going to be hit a couple different ways financially. And, and that's the argument that the teachers' unions have been making uh, for some time, is that uh, while there may be value in, in private schools and charter schools, and I must say I believe that, by the way, there is value in that, um, the, the, the significant transfer of money that seems to be occurring, of public money into private institutions, uh, is a drain on the public school systems. Yes. Um, for example, I covered the uh, professional charter school board meeting just the uh, just last week, and of course that is the entity that was created in essence because the original form of the bill allowed for counties to be able to sign off on requests to create public charter schools. That's the whole point. It's kind of supposed to be grassroots. You and your community uh, get an idea to start a charter in your community. You take it to your school board, goes through public comment, ultimately goes through uh, the board. They tried to do this up in Morgan, uh, Montegalia County, in Preston County, and they said no. So then they created the professional charter school board, which is an authorizer, which basically allows anyone to skip all of that process and go through this board. Um, so they authorize public all the public schools, the charter schools that exist right now are authorized through through the state board. And one of the things that they talked about was the possibility of being able to use funding from the Hope Scholarship, being allowing parents to be able to use funding from the Hope Scholarship to, in essence, purchase certain services that only the charter schools might offer. Uh, and there's a big question as to whether they can do that. Attorneys for the state treasurer's office that run the Hope Scholarship say yes. Attorneys for the Department of Education say no. That may end up in a fight down the road. The point being, uh, they can start using some of that money. So that's another way uh, to kind of take money from the state. This is state money uh, and take it and put it in the charters. That's not counting the fact that when students leave public schools, even for public charter schools, well, that affects the enrollment that the counties use for determining their school right. budgets the following year uh, and how much school aid formula they get. And that creates a real situation where it's hard to budget when you don't know what, what your enrollment's going to be. The uh, Hope Scholarship is uh, $4,600, something like that, which could be transferred to use as you choose for at least that's theoretically what some say can be transferred to use as you choose for uh, services at a private school as well as a public school, right? That's correct, yeah. Uh, you can use that funding for uh, even to some extent for services that public schools offer. Uh, if they offer a special class that's only offered through that system, you can use that. But predominantly the money's being used for uh, parents that want to either put their children through private schools um, Christian schools, uh, there are some families now that do uh, what's called micro-learning or, uh, or pod learning that come together. That's completely unregulated, by the way. That, by the uh, way, I do, I, I, since they started talking about that a year, so I, I still don't understand what that is. I, I, I've been reading about it, but does. 
I don't. I don't know what it is. I don't. I don't get what that is. No, nobody does. Nobody does. And I'm not even entirely sure if there are any, but because they're unregulated, who knows? Uh, but you can use the money for for homeschooling as well. And some good reporting, I think, from from Brad or at least Metro News, maybe a month or so ago, had taken a look at some of the funding uh, where it was going, and some of the funding for Hope Scholarship is going to private schools outside of the state. That's now, whether you think. Yeah. Now, now, whether you think there should be a voucher program and parents should be able to get access to that, I think we can all agree that at least the money that you get through the Hope Scholarship ought to be used for West Virginia private education, not you know Maryland, which is where some of these uh, schools were. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, it, it, we can we can have a debate about whether or not public funds ought to be used for private education. And that debate is going on. I think maybe the debate's already been won or lost, depending on what your perspective is, in, in the state. But to suggest the money then could go to out-of-state is just ridiculous. And, and Stephen, I think we need to re- remind folks, this all comes back to the fact that there is a constitutional mandate on the legislature to provide, and I forget the exact phrase, thorough and efficient education for, the, for public schools, right? Yeah, and the key word in that, that that you left out is free. Free schools, yeah. Free, yeah. So it's a situation where I, I, in my column, the point I basically try to make is not to say charters are bad or even the Hope Scholarship is bad, but kind of just a warning to lawmakers. And we're already seeing this to some extent. I, you know, I'm no sports guy, but obviously we're, you're seeing a lot of outrage right now at the situation with the transfer, mm-hmm. uh, one-time transfer rule and that sort of thing. People in the state care about their public K through 12 schools. And yeah, people want to exercise school choice too, and people are. But one need only look at the public charter schools that we have to know that even though we can have up to 10, I think there's only applicants that are about to be approved two new applicants here in November uh, by the public professional charter school board. So we're not seeing a groundswell of charter school creation as of yet. And even with Hope Scholarship, uh, I think the numbers are still relatively low uh, in the scheme of things. So people care about their K-12 schools. And when people start noticing here down the road uh, that some of their county school systems are receiving less money as a result of this because uh, of children leaving. And also, when you talk about Hope Scholarship in 2026, every student in the state, public or private, will be eligible for that. Now, will they all take advantage of that? No, but many will. And that's going to create a burden on taxpayers for the state of West Virginia, too, on top of the situation it's going to cause for county school budgets. So the, the lawmakers need to be aware of this because parents might get upset to see that the resources for their public schools aren't just aren't there because the funding's not there. Yeah, you, you, you touched – I was going to ask about that. If I remember correctly, when the Hope Scholarship was passed, uh, there was a lot of concern that it was so open-ended that – it was going to be hard to budget. It was going to be hard to figure out how much money will there have to be for these Hope Scholarships uh, as as time goes by and as they grow. That's right. And not only that, you know, State Treasurer Riley Moore is pushing really hard uh, to, to get rid of some of the deadlines uh, that are in place really to protect public schools. Uh, that way, you know, they can budget and know how many students are going to have. So there are deadlines for when parents can apply for Hope Scholarship money. Uh, 
And plus, right now, since it only applies to public school students, your student, in order to even be eligible, you have to keep your kid in public school for a certain amount of time before you can even apply to this program. So when you have those situations, uh, take that into uh, account. Uh, if you take away the deadlines and things of that nature and basically accept applications all year round, it's going to create a whole bunch of unpredictability for county school budgets. And then when you hit that 2026 year and everybody's eligible for that money, as you said, who knows? Will every student take a parent take advantage of that? Of course not. But we still don't know. I think the financial hit this year was, I think, somewhere in around 20, 22 million. Right. So it could definitely grow beyond that. I encourage people to check out your column. It's, uh, you really put all this together nicely in the, in the intel. Again, I think it was yesterday's report. You can check it out online uh, under uh, Stephen's column, Charting a New Course. What are you working on? Anything exciting coming up other than trying to find the airplane or the chopper? Well, I mean, at the end of this week, we'll have the third in our four-part series with the top four Republican candidates for governor. We'll be talking with uh, Secretary of State Mac Warner for that, uh, campaign finance reports for statewide candidates such as governor, attorney general, those are due today. So we expect those to begin trickling in and see just how well everybody did for the uh, previous quarter from uh, uh, September through uh, uh, July. Uh, So those are the things that are kind of big uh, that we're looking at right now. Stephen, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, Thanks for sticking around. Uh, Things got a little bit convoluted here, but I appreciate you taking time with us. And we shall talk again in the near future, I'm sure. Appreciate it. Thanks, Howard. Stephen Adams, Ogden Newspaper Chain, checking in this morning here on the Watchdog Morning Show. It's 9.50, 10 till the hour. Uh, We're hoping to hear from Bob Westfall coming up. It's good to have options when choosing health coverage for your family, your employees, and your company. You want to plan with people you know, like the health plan, known for exceptional local customer service, and are headquartered right here in West Virginia. We are families, we are businesses, and we are all moving forward together. We are here for you, The Health Plan. You want a hospital rising up to the challenges of today's health care demands. WVU Medicine Wheeling Hospital delivers the right care right here at home. Developing new and exclusive services, recruiting top surgeons, we embody the mountaineer spirit, building upon strong traditions, pioneering medical care, Moving forward with compassion. WVU Medicine Wheeling Hospital. Delivering the right care, right place, right time. Ready, set, go get your Toyota today. Check out Toyota's wide range of all-wheel and four-wheel drive vehicles, like a sporty Camry or a stylish Corolla, both with great MPGs. Or come in and test drive a new RAV4, Highlander, or Corolla Cross, each with plenty of cargo room so you can be ready for any adventure. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals. Hurry, offers end April 4th. Toyota, let's go places. Plumbers and Steamfitters Local 83 want to thank the owners and contractors of the Ohio Valley for using their locally trained workers to help build for the future. Local 83 helps design, fabricate, and build the gas infrastructure for the oil and gas industry here in the Ohio Valley. Plumbers and Steamfitters Local 83 is 300 members strong and growing. They also do residential, commercial, and industrial work on both sides of the river. For more information, call Plumbers and Steamfitters Local 83 at 304-233-4445. On FM, on AM, online, on demand, and on video, we are where you are. 
The Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe is here now. It was an early morning yesterday. I was up before the dawn. And I really have enjoyed my stay. But I must be moving on. It's 7 till the hour, Watchdog Morning Show, about 45 degrees everywhere here in the valley, uh, the uh, Highlands, uh, the airport, uh, Elm Grove, and here at the Robinson Auto Group Studios, downtown Wheeling, in the heart of the Ohio Valley. Uh, coming up uh, Thursday, Bob, is another man- uh, the manager and the mayor. Uh, Moundsville City Manager Rick Healy and uh, Moundsville Mayor Sarah Woodshaw will be here in studio with us together uh, talking about some of the issues facing the mound town. That's, was, we had a good go-round with them about six weeks ago. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, that'll be kind of fun again. And then it's just the manager himself, as in Wheeling City Manager Bob Heron, is here with us beginning of next week to uh, just kind of round up some of the things happening here in the friendly city. I'm looking forward to that, too. Bob hasn't been in for a while. That'd and then uh, one day next week, next Wednesday, I believe, we're going to be talking with uh, Dan Millison. You know who he is? I don't know who Dan he is. He is the guy behind Waterfront Hall down here at uh, where Evan Eats is, this new building. Uh, wow. The, no, no, oh, that's a smart guy right there. I don't know Dan, but he's got tremendous vision. I did and not. And he has to be really smart. And I'll tell him this when he's on. I didn't think it was going to work. When he first announced his plans for that very supply building, I thought, oh, boy, here's another crazy dreamer. Um, but, man, he's done a tremendous job with that, and that has become a spark plug for activity at the port. And I firmly believe it is going to be what will now— So you changed your tune, Howard? Is that I, what you're saying? You know, I'm I'm able to do that sometimes. Um, so he's going to be with us next week. So that's just some of what we have coming down the pipe. And I'm looking forward to all of those because uh, all those folks should be good guests and some fun things that I'm looking forward to learning more about about Waterfront Hall, where the idea came from. I suspect that we'll discover that the idea he originally had kind of got modified and, and you know, moved around before it became what it is uh, right now. But there's a few things coming up. Just thought I'd like you to know. Coming up right now is Bob Westfall from the Big 7, WTRF-TV. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Howard. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a busy morning this morning. I've had to – it's a juggling morning. You know what that's like. You know, I had a guest – an unexpected guest call in. I had to move other guests around. All live on the radio, but that's uh, that's what live radio is all about. So that's good. I know, I know. It's how uh, that's why you get the big bucks. Well, it's why I get paid. Yeah, yeah. Good point. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going down the big bucks road, but uh, but uh, it's okay. It's okay. We, we do what we love. You know, and without sounding sappy and corny, that's exactly right. You know, um, especially I, you know, I've, the audience knows if I didn't really enjoy what I'm doing. I, I wouldn't be here. Uh, I, you know, I can retire. I truly, I, I appreciate getting the paycheck. Uh, I, I don't have to get the paycheck. And uh, not at my age of life with retirement. So, But I'm here because I like it. I enjoy it. You know, it's fun. Right. I get to talk to you every day. Uh, not every day. Well, four days a week. Well, you take Wednesdays off for some reason. Well, it, it's a short day. And I don't take it off most of the time. <laughs> I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still trying to work on the Johnny Carson week, though. I still think that my next step is a four-day work week. I think that's, you know, that's where I go to next, a four-day work week. I'll have to work on that, though. What are you working on today? All right, several things working on today. Senator uh, Shelley Moore Capito will be in town. Uh, she's going to visit the Challenger Center uh, at Wheeling University. 
uh, it has gone through some renovations. We talked to Jackie Shia uh, a couple months ago about what was going on. We get to see the new and improved Challenger Center. Uh, we're excited about that. So Jake McGlumpy's covering that. That I am. I am. I'm. I, I, this is really stupid of me. I didn't know the Challenger Center was still there, nor that Jackie Shia was still there. So I will look forward to that because um, I always thought that was a great uh, asset here to the Upper Ohio Valley. I didn't know it was still open. It is still there, yes, still operating. I know they were going under some res- uh, renovations, uh, improvements and things like that, and that's why the senator's here today. Uh, she managed to get some funding for that. Uh, so we're going to take a look at the new Challenger Center. I, I love that outfit. Uh, she's also going to be speaking to the chamber lunch with leaders uh, this afternoon. Uh, that's going to be at the White Palace. Uh, she'll be addressing uh, uh, members of the Wheeling Area Chamber, uh, talking, I'm sure, about many things, including uh, uh, Hamas attack in Israel, uh, the economy, things like that. So uh, we're excited about having the senator here. Uh, she's one of my most fun interviews I have. Um, so we'll be talking to her uh, today. So we've got that. Uh, I-70, they're going to be getting the mining again. Um, so we're going to talk to Sheriff Howard about traffic, traffic patterns out there. Uh, people need to slow down, uh, pay attention. So uh, we're going to talk to that. So that begins, uh, I think, today. And that's up, at the sta- that's, that's up around the state line, correct? Uh, right up by the state line, yes, sir. Okay. So we've got that. Um, got a preview of Harmony House's Halloween party coming up. Harmony House does some great work uh, when it comes to kids and trauma, so we're excited about getting the word out for that. And then uh, the party on the plaza is making their check presentation to WVU Children, so uh, we will be there for that as well. Weather looks good, a little chilly, uh, a little nippy in the air. And then I think we've got Team of the Week today in sports, so that's kind of what we're working on today. you got a lot of stuff going on, and people can always check it out at noon, 5, 6, 10, 11, 5.30, the statewide show, and always at WTRF.com or with the Channel 7 in your pocket on the Storm Tracker 7 app or the news app, preferably set for push notifications, so you get to know when everybody else gets to know, before everybody else gets to know, by staying in right. tune with TV7. All right, Bob. Well, tomorrow is that Wednesday day, so I won't talk to you tomorrow. I know. But uh, I'll yeah, talk, to you, talk to you again on Thursday. <laughs> in the meantime, All right. have a good day. We'll talk to you later. Uh, Bob Westfall, The Big 7, WTRF-TV. You sure you don't need to ride tomorrow? No, I've, uh, no I'm good. You're good. You're good. I have, to, I have to come in all by myself and talk to nobody. No. Nah. Well, right. you can talk. I'll talk to myself. Get that frog out of your throat, Howard. <laughs> Ribbit. Time for us to say sayonara. See you. Bye-bye. Farewell. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Kirchwell's got the com coming up next. We'll reconvene this fiasco tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock. The Watchdog Morning Show right here. The Watchdog is FM 98.1, AM 1600, WKKX Wheeling. FM 97.7, AM 1370, WVLY Moundsville.